What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode number 21 of the Two Metal for This podcast. I'm Jason, and with me, as always, is Justin. Episode 21, we are of age to drink now. What's going on, everybody? And Bobby. Bobby motherfucking McDermott. So we want to start out by thanking you all for listening. Please remember to support us by giving us a like and follow on Facebook and Instagram at Two Metal for This. And if you drop your own six list in the comments section or leave us some feedback on how we're doing, we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. That said, we want to shout out Beaumont Sabos for mm-hmm. dropping your six list in the comment section. And a shout out to our buddy Dave Pete. He commented saying that he's going to be checking out some of these uh, awesome bands with women in them. So, oh, yeah. Appreciate you guys. Uh, we've got a really cool episode for you all this week. In honor of Valentine's Day, we'll be discussing our favorite love and or hate songs. We'll also be discussing this week's Spotlight album, the new album from In Flames. But before we get into that, here's Justin with the news. The news. Disturbed have announced a headlining tour. Uh, They will take Breaking Benjamin, Theory of a Dead Man, and Ginger along, depending on the date. The tour starts April 27th in Montreal through May 12th in Abbotsford, British Columbia. Only Disturbed and Theory of a Dead Man will be on the Canadian leg, but then it picks back up July 11th in Denver through September 2nd in Noblesville, Indiana. The U.S. run will have Disturbed with Breaking Benjamin and Ginger. We always talk about big opportunities for smaller bands. This is a big one for Ginger right here. Hmm. Before Ministry joins Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper later this year, they'll go out on a headlining tour with Gary Newman. Oh, cool. And Frontline Assembly. Fucking great. The tour starts April 20th in Reno, Nevada, and ends May 13th in Las Vegas. If you missed it last week, their trek with Zombie and Alice Cooper and Filter runs from August 24th in Dallas through September 24th in Phoenix. Whitechapel will have a headline run with Signs of the Swarm, Archspire, and Ethos. The tour starts April 14th in Atlanta and ends May 13th in Nashville. Whitechapel will play their entire 2019 album, The Valley, as well as an extended encore with classic bangers. If you're local to Central Florida, April 15th, they will be in Tampa. Static X have announced Project Regeneration Volume 2, the final album with unheard Wayne Static recordings. They released the first song from the album, which is a cover of a Nine Inch Nails song, Terrible Lie. The album will feature 13 new songs and is due out later this year. November 3rd is the tentative date right now. Foo Fighters are rumored to be releasing a new album next month. No further details. In celebration of the 20th anniversary of Linkin Park's Meteora, they will release a deluxe package, which will include six full live shows, including four shows on DVD and two on vinyl, 14 completely unreleased extra B-side songs and demos, and a new work-in-progress DVD, whatever that is. But it will be due out April 7th, 2023, in celebration of the 20th anniversary of Meteora. The song Lost was released 
last week. High on Fire is working on the long-awaited follow-up to their 2018 record, Electric Messiah. Mm-hmm. No further details, but I know Bobby's excited. Mm-hmm. Zach Wilde is selling his stage-used guitars from the upcoming Pantera Tour. They will be available with a special VIP package that includes a meet-and-greet and one of Wilde's used guitars. You'll either get the orange buzzsaw, the Genesis bullseye, or the pul- purple blizzard. The VIP package goes for $3,250. It's too much fucking money. If you just want to buy one of the guitars, they're like $1,500. But if you want it stage used, you better pay up. Yeah, you want to What's be wrong able with to it? Like, fuck it up, and he's not going like, to crack the fucking neck, and he's like, oh, just sell it to stage used. He got his sweat on it. Yeah, you played like one solo on it because this man changes his guitar every fucking song. He's got fucking ringworm all over it. It's gross. So I hate God. It's going on tour with <laughs> Do you Goat Whore? And they're going to be doing the uh, entire Take Is Needed for Pain album. So that's pretty cool. They should be here. Was it April 9th at the uh, Brass Mug? So go check that out. And uh, a little bit more interesting, members of Fu Manchu, Mono Lord, Year of the Cobra, Kailesa, Lowrider, and Caius are all coming together for a doom metal Slayer tribute band called Slower. They're in the studio right now, released a teaser of War Ensemble, so that should be pretty fucking cool. Slower. Alright, I'm Bobby motherfucking McDermott with some new music out here I'm gonna share with you. Gonna rate this stuff on the uh, one to six upside down pentagrams. The intention is not to crush anybody's feelings, but I ain't here to suck anybody's dick. If I don't like it, I'll tell you. If I do like it, I'll fucking tell you. Alright, this week we got Dread Witch, Tower of the Severed Serpent. Six songs, 39 minutes, Doom Sludge from Denmark. This one surprised me. I honestly anticipated a lump of shit. Thought it was going to be another shitty psychedelic witchy rock thing or something. Nope. Brutal doom. Shit was cool. Uh, it's fucking super heavy. Then at times it gets into like orange goblin levels of rocking. Then to weird sludgy ambient dropout parts. And back to doom. Singer's cool. It's that dirty vocals again. That gravelly singing. There seems to be a new trend going on. I like it. Drummer's doing some cool stuff. The guitars are great, that big sludgy distortion reminiscence of bands like Nails, Trap Them, Apes. The second song, Serpent God, starts out almost comically heavy. It's fucking ridiculous. It's like an old 90s-style beat-down hardcore riff, but slowed down. It's pretty fucking cool. The song Leech has these crazy synths, like elevator music for some futuristic utopia, and then Brutal Doom. Then it gets weird and atmospheric, kind of like Gohira. Then back to Sludgy Awesomeness. I fucking enjoyed this album a lot. 2023 has been pretty kick-ass so far. Six upside down pentagrams for Dreadwitch, Tower of the Severed Serpent. Six, six, six. Memoriam, they got a new one out, Rise to Power. Eight songs, 45 minutes, death metal from England. This started out as a Supergroup tribute to the late drummer of Bolt Thrower, made up of members of Bolt Thrower and Sacrilege, Benediction, and Napalm Death. This is a good one. They sound tight. Everything's even in the mix. No clean vocals. It is the guy from Bolt Thrower, but he sounds like the clandestine era in tune. Pretty cool. 
It's got cool riffs, good old school death metal grooves. The conflict is within is a good one. And the closer, the pain is bad as fuck. Solid album right there. Five upside down pentagrams from Memorial Rise to Power. Got an EP here from Wrath of Gods. Death Above, Chaos Around, Hell Inside. Four songs, 12 minutes. Blackened Hardcore from California. Pretty brutal stuff here. Beatdown style hardcore. Production is kind of weird. The drums, they don't sound right. Can't really put my fucking finger on it, but they're, it's weird. I don't know. Songs are cool, though. Lycanthrope is the standout of the album. It's an easy fucking listen. Just some quick, heavy stuff. 12 minutes. Go give it a fucking listen. Four upside down pentagrams. For Wrath of Gods. Death Above. Chaos Around. Hell Inside. Did you say 12 minutes? Serpent Church, they got a single out, God's Breath. It's four minutes and 40 seconds of Stoner Rock from South Carolina. Body Farm, they got a single out, The Swamp, just over six and a half minutes of Doom Metal from the Netherlands. Lamb of God and Creator, that State of Unrest, it's uh, just over three minutes of collaboration metal, I guess. And uh, that's all I got this week. So some good stuff, go check that out, everybody. This week's Spotlight album will be In Flames' new release called Foregone. It's the 14th studio album from the Swedish melodic death metal legends. The intro on this album is very whimsical two minutes before the track two state of slow decay kicks in and you immediately know In Flames is back. The third track, Meet Your Maker, is pretty heavy, but then the chorus brings in more of that newer vocal of Anders that I'm not a big fan of. Uh, the title track is a two-parter. It's called Foregone. Um, it's a really cool song, but I do have a question for both of you. With mm. two-part songs, what's the point of it? Why not just make one long song instead of splitting it up and making it two separate? What are your guys' thoughts on that? Pro- I, I would guess probably had to do with the lyrics. Like It was two different songs lyrically. Like maybe one half of the song, the lyrics is one part, and you have like a certain vibe to it. Because both songs don't have the same vibe. Like one's, and then the next one's got a different feel, but it's, it could be that, like I said, two different versions of uh, the lyrics and stuff, you know, like a hate and love or white and black. You see what I'm saying? One's a little heavier. One's a little bit more mellow, but you've also, that, I've also heard songs where, you know, songs start off mellow and go into heavy. So what do you think? Why do they, they split it up? Some bands do, some don't. Uh, I thought both songs went together very well. Um, I, I feel like they put a lot of effort and and uh, love into those two songs it, it is the title track um but like i said if, if you are writing a song and you like this song's gonna be like a this certain vibe like a darker heavier thing and then we're gonna switch it up as a musician you might know that maybe the listeners don't want to hear that part and then you split it to where you can just hear the one cool part and then the other thing or you can put it together like it's yeah. supposed to be i think it pretty much the same thing Bobby said. Typically, when I hear two-part songs, the two parts do capture two different vibes, and I think the bands want those songs to be able to stand on their own, but then also when you play them back-to-back, you get the full message. I think that's what they did here. It reminds me a lot of like Avenged Sevenfold when they did Won't See You Tonight, part one and two. Yeah, Two very different songs. You play them back to back. They go really well together, but you can also listen to either one of them completely on their own. And they they make sense and stand alone. So 
that's that's kind of the way I look at it. Also, in theory, if there was playing a show, maybe the one half of the song doesn't work, but you can still play the the other part. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In, the, in this case, I'd say Foregone Part One will probably play a lot better live. Right, right. So yeah, they, they made it one song; it's going to be too long, and then you kind of lose a bit of the feeling in the middle, maybe. Whereas if uh, you know you split it up and you just play the one part at a show, that's you know it'd be better. I think. So just from writing a song point of view, I, I, that's my guess. I do think it's a really cool song, two part. That uh, is one of the standout points of the album. The rip from the opening track returns in parts of, of Foregone, parts one and two. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but I think that's a pretty cool, nice touch that they did there. Uh, a little bit later into the album, a dialogue in B flat minor comes on. That's an early favorite of mine. It's a little bit different track. It does slow down and get a lot of that Anders vocal that I normally don't like, but for some reason it works on this track very well. Uh, the last two songs close out very strong. I think this is an album we've been waiting for as In Flames fans since Come Clarity. It'd be a pretty cool sequel to that album. We've got quite a few misses since then. It's been a long time since we've heard a good In Flames album. And while this isn't a total rewind in time, it is a great blend of the old and new style. And Anders' newer vocals are mostly just on the choruses, I noticed, uh, for this album. I do think the album artwork, we don't talk about that very much, but it's really killer on this album. It's probably the best artwork of uh, Jester Head that I've seen on any of their albums. Uh, but here's the thing about this album. I've listened to it three times now, and I've enjoyed every single listen. But I don't have any songs on this that just wow me that I would say, hey, you have to go out right now and listen to this song. There's nothing on here like that. There's also nothing bad either. I think it's a great step in the right direction. But it's still just missing something. Hmm. And I can't put my finger on it. I'm giving it a four out of six. What say you, Bobby? Alrighty. So, Swedish Melodic Death Metal. So, we're calling this. And you say, what, 14 fucking albums? 14 albums in, yes. That's pretty fucking impressive. So, this album starts off pretty fucking weak with the acoustic opener. Uh, There wasn't a cool enough riff to make a whole song, let alone start a fucking album. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Second song, Heaviness kicks in, but it's still pretty medium. Then the third song, Meet Your Maker, it's got some pretty cool riffs, but it also goes into that poppy clean singing bullshit. And then back to cool riffing. The fourth song, Bleeding Out. Oh, that shit starts out really fucking cool. It's got that Scandinavian-style progression with kind of that Viking gallop to it, but there's this weird groove underneath, like swinging counter, that was pretty fucking cool. Uh, then the cool riffing, and then the song does have the clean singing again, but I was a bit more prepared uh, with the earlier tracks, so I, I see where they're going with things now. Uh, some technical fruit noodling in there, but it wasn't bad. The two-part title track we just discussed was kind of cool. I feel like that was their uh, best song of the album, and it uh, reflects where they're trying to go with it. The first part is the better uh, song of the two. So at this point, I'm about halfway through the album. I'm not digging it. Ding dong, sing along bullshit's going on, and a lot of that flingity fling fling on the guitars. Not having a good time. I'm ready to give this shit a fucking one. Then comes the aptly named The Great Deceiver. And they were like, just kidding. <laughs> Here's a cool song with no clean vocals. This yeah. is definitely the standout track for me. A dialogue in B flat had some really cool fucking riffs too. Production is pretty good. Everything is mostly clean in the mix. I don't know if they have a bass player. If they do, you ain't doing nothing cool. Uh, for fans of these kind of vocals, you got a really cool album to check out. 
I am not a fan. Uh, this is a two and a half upside down pentagrams for me. All right, in flames for gone. So the instrumental intro was awesome. I love Mm-mm. it. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. It's like the calm before the storm. Like it set up the album perfectly. And then immediately, you know, you're hit with the abrasive metal. I like the contrast of it. It's cool. Once we get into State of Slow Decay, you start to find everything that we've been missing from the classic In Flames. It's all on full display, right down to the production. They brought in Howard Benson again to produce the album. If you're not familiar with him, he's produced everyone from Kelly Clarkson to Sepultura. I don't know what was different this time. He actually worked with them on the re-records for Clayman, so I don't know if maybe he was inspired somehow by that. But whatever they've done, they've perfectly captured the production sound of you know the more old-school In Flames records, which I really appreciate because you hear that right off. And it has not sounded like that for at least the last probably three albums. At least uh, that sound has been gone. You know, the guitar tone sounds right. Everything sounds it doesn't sound like filthy and shitty produced on albums like Horacle, but you know, it's it's kind of like the middle of their career, like Clayman type era. Uh, it really fits there. I think this album rightfully could have been the follow-up to Reroute to Remain from 2002. It it kind of captures that vibe. Like it would have made sense as a follow-up to that. In between that and Come Clarity, I think would have been really cool. What about soundtrack? I forgot about soundtrack. Sorry. But that's not to say that the band threw away all the new tricks. As Bobby and Justin pointed out, you still got the clean singing and the big hooks that make Bobby's ears bleed. Mm. But those those are still present on songs like Bleeding Out. I think we all kind of agreed one of the highlights of the album is Foregone Part 1 and 2, mm-hmm. with Part 1 being my personal favorite song on the album. I do like what they did with making the first part the more aggressive uh, of the two songs. It's kind of opposite of what I'm used to hearing in two-parters. They usually start out with the more mellow part, and then they work their way into the aggressive part. Mm -hmm. But overall, there's peaks and valleys to the albums. There's definitely a a few spots where it really loses momentum. But it's definitely the band's best album, like Justin said, since Come Clarity. They haven't put out anything even close to that caliber since that album. So I give it a five out of six upside down pentagrams. That's fair. Not perfect, but it's damn good. And it's really cool to see in flames kind of get back some of their old magic. So I will say this. I want to revisit this in a couple of months after I've listened to it a little bit more. For Um, sure. Because it definitely impressed me that they're they're trying to capture the sound they used to have. Absolutely. So that is In Flames uh, with their brand new album, Foregone. Have you been sweating bullets, worrying that you aren't going to be able to please your lady in the bedroom? What do you mean you can't get an erection? Oh. Well, don't kick the chair in frustration. This doesn't have to be the end game. Dave Mustaine knows that the world needs a hero. And he's proven himself to be a regular kingmaker. Just in time for Valentine's Day, the Megadeth frontman has released his brand new male enhancement supplement, aptly named Five Magics. 
simply take one of these specially formulated capsules and let the countdown to erection begin. Get ready to create your own symphony of destruction in the bedroom. Your lady will surely be pleased as you continue to soldier on. No more hanging on by the skin of your teeth. With five magics, you can finally bust in peace. Top six, six, six. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Yeah. In honor of this glorious holiday, we're going to be talking about our top six favorite love and or hate songs. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to kick it off with my number six pick, which comes to you from Avenge Sevenfold with their song, A Little Piece of Heaven. <laughs> it's from their 2007 self-titled album. Avenged Sevenfold are no strangers to writing great love songs. You can find quite a few gems throughout their catalog if you go back and check it out. However, this is one of the most unique concepts for a love song that I've heard in metal. The song is eight minutes long, and it sounds like it could have been included on the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack. Seriously, sounds like Danny Elfman composed it. Much like the way the music sounds, the lyrics also tell a really dark tale. It's essentially about a guy who is deeply in love with his significant other, but his own insecurities eat at him, and he's convinced that the only way he can guarantee his chance to be with her forever is to kill her. So he ends up killing her and preserving her body, which he uses for his own sexual pleasures. The lyrics actually say, I really always knew that my little crime would be cold. That's why I got a heater for your thighs. So fucked up. He also says she was never this good in bed, even when she was living. But the man's romantic bliss comes to an end when his dead bride comes back from beyond the grave to exact her revenge. This song does have a happy ending, though, as they find each other in the afterlife and live happily ever after. There's even a part in the song where you can hear some seedy character in the underworld performing a wedding ceremony for them. And whether or not you like Avenged Sevenfold, it's at least worth giving this song a listen. And the story is interesting, and musically, it's one of the most interesting things that the band's ever composed. So that's my number six pick, Avenged Sevenfold, with a little piece of heaven. It was on my honorable mentions. All right. It's got a great video if you haven't seen it. My number six pick comes from All Shall Perish. The song is called My Retaliation. Uh, This is definitely on the hate side of things. Uh, It starts off with the lyric, I hope to see you fucking die. Hmm. This song could be about a bad relationship or maybe just a bad friend in general, but it's telling the story of a highly manipulative person who's only out for their self as they use everyone and everything around them for their benefit. It's a very intense song with a constant double bass kicking until the breakdown where Eddie talks about getting his revenge on this person. The song is only three minutes and 23 seconds. But it's absolutely brutal the entire time. It comes from their 2011 album. This is where it ends. All Shall Perish has a few songs that could fit on here, but my retaliation with the lyric, I hope to see you fucking die, is my number six pick. I like it. It's beautiful. I like it. Brings a tear to my eye. Great. 
Now, I love hate. There's, uh, you know, a lot of songs about both topics. Uh, I went a little specific with mine, with the holidays and all. So these songs are dedicated to certain people. So this goes out to you know who. If you're listening, that would just make my fucking day. Hope to see you fucking die. 1984 single from the Misfits, Die, Die, My Darling. Starts off with the catchy fucking lyrics of Die, 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 my darling. Don't utter a single word. Die, 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 my darling. Just shut your pretty mouth. Three minutes, 12 seconds of punk rock hate. That goes out to you know who. Nice. Thanks, that's stuck in my head now. And now I see what you're talking about, because that one almost made my list. Yep. (laughs) All right. Getting into number five. I went with Bleeding Through with their song Revenge I Seek. Oh, yeah. It's from their album. This is love. This is murderous. Bleeding Through is a metalcore band from Orange County, California, and they blend traditional hardcore with these big hooks and sing-song choruses. I'm sure Bobby would love it. Mm. (laughs) However, you won't find any of that stuff on this song. You could probably pick just about any songs from the first few Bleeding Through albums and put them on this list for love and or hate songs. Even the album cover for this album has a human heart with a knife through it. That gives you any indication of what you're getting into here. I think Brandon Chappetti, the singer, spent at least three albums dealing with some serious heartache and loss. So that said, I found this band at the perfect time in my life when I was dealing with a lot of the same shit. So while some of their other songs focus more on his feelings of depression, this one is straight anger. It's one of the angriest songs I've ever heard. And it's not angry for the sake of being angry. You can tell he was really working through some shit when he recorded these vocals. Uh, The song starts out with a clip from the movie Boondock Saints. When I wears my flashing sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will take vengeance upon mine enemies and I will repay those who hate me. O Lord, raise me to thy right hand and count me among thy saints. And then the drums kick in with this very straightforward hardcore riffing. And then it goes into this really cool bridge with the keyboards and stuff. And that's one of the only chances you got left to catch your breath in this song because here comes Brandon with the words, fuck your world and fuck your kind. Go fuck yourself. You're fucking barely alive. Song does not let up at all until we get three minutes or so in. And then we're treated to a really cool breakdown where Brandon screams, fuck you forever. I'll despise you for the rest of these days. Fuck you forever. I'll fucking hate you for the rest of my life. So if you're looking for a nice anti-love song for this Valentine's Day, this is the one. My number five is Bleeding Through with Revenge I Seek. Nice. We're going very hateful here, aren't we? I mean, you know, it's that time (laughs) of year. Hate is in the air. In the air? What is it? (laughs) Hate is in the air. I guess it would be tougher sound than shit. I'm going to continue this with a song that you've all probably heard. It comes from Slipknot. It's Everything Ends. 
Starting with the lyric, you're wrong, fucked, and overrated. I think I'm going to be sick, and it's your fault. Kicking into total chaos as Corey's lyrics talk about a relationship gone wrong. We've all been there. It leads to him having thoughts of committing suicide and not caring about anything or anyone anymore. It's always just a very intense song. It gets me hyped up. Uh, as I said, you've all heard it, so I don't need to go into too much detail about it. Uh, four minutes, 14 seconds off of the 2001 album, Iowa. Nice. So that was definitely one that was on my list. Both so, of yours were honorable mentions. <laughs> so, yeah, I do want to just mention a couple things on that. Um, that's a track that has become personal to me on a couple of occasions where I really related to the lyrics more than I would like to. There's another really impactful line that I wanted to call out in there where he says, my flaws are the only thing left that's pure, can't really live, can't really endure. Everything mm -hmm. I see reminds me of her. God, I wish I didn't care anymore. I know a lot of people have felt that way at some point, and I don't want to get super serious, but don't ever base your self-worth on what someone else thinks of you or whether or not that person chooses to be in your life. And don't ever fucking feel like you're going through some shit alone. If you got nobody else to talk to, you talk to one of us. Goddamn Damn right. Shit. Slipknot, everything ends. Nice. All right. So uh, this is another dedication. This goes out to you know who number two. This is a song by Cadaver with a K, not to be confused with the Norwegian death metal band spelled properly with a C. The song is Die, Baby, Die from 2017's Rough Times. And the chorus is die, die, baby, die, 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 die. Do you think he wants her to Pretty die? Straightforward lyrics right there. Uh, they ain't fucking around, mincing words, beating around the bush, none of that shit. Uh, this is how I fucking feel. Four minutes, 18 seconds of groovy German psychedelic stoner rock of hate. So go check that shit out. Cadaver, die, baby, die. Fuck yeah. No mincing words there. Mm-mm. For some hateful fucks right now. I mean, you know, it's that time of year. Hate is in the air. <laughs> All right. One of us has got to soften these rough edges a little bit. So I'll be the guy. My number four comes to you from Stone Temple Pilots with their song Still Remains from their 1994 album Purple. This is a really intense love song. Sounds pretty innocent on the surface. But as you dive into the lyrics... This is a love that's so intense that it actually borders on obsession. From what I read, Wylan wrote this song about his first wife. Uh, the song starts out with the line, Our bed we live, our bed we sleep, making love and I become you. Flesh is warm with naked feet, stabbing thorns and you become me. I think one of the best things about this song is how perfectly the music actually complements the lyrics and the mood that he's trying to set. Compliments to the band for that. I think the song is perfectly composed. And at the time it was released, that was sort of new territory for the band. They were a little bit more faster and, you know, fast paced and, you know, a little bit heavier guitars. So this was a little bit of a departure, but they recognized that this particular song needed that. The entire song to me is actually one of the best in their catalog. But the reason it made this list particularly is the lyrics in the chorus. The chorus says, pick a song and sing a yellow nectarine. Take a bath. I'll drink the water that you leave. If you should die before me, 
Ask if you could bring a friend. Pick a flower, hold your breath, and drift away. So you can really feel what he's feeling in this song. Um, he and his wife have become one, and he doesn't want to live without her. He's so deeply in love with her that he would be willing to drink her bathwater just to be somehow closer to her. And if she dies, he wants to come along. So I just think that uh, the lyrics are super unique. I haven't heard a lot of stuff like this. It's a lot different than a traditional love song. But like I said, the lyrics are just really, really different. You know, it really just stands out to me. Um, Scott Weiland was a pretty creative and kind of strange guy. Uh, but I've never heard anyone write about drinking someone's bathwater. So uh, my number four, Stone Temple Pilots with Still Remains. If you die before me, ask if I can bring a friend. That's yeah. fucking cool. I like it, that. It's pretty cool. These days you could sell that bathwater on OnlyFans. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty gross, man. Some bathwater. Yeah. Want me to get away from the uh, love songs and continue with the hate. Yes. We're going to go for uh, number four, Bolt for My Valentine, Your Betrayal. Uh, this song starts off with the uh, drums pounding, almost like a war march. Then the guitar kicks in with the killer riff before the double bass comes in. This is another story of a woman betraying. Uh, it's not totally clear if the lyric soak the place and light the flame. Pay the price for your betrayal is insinuating that he kills her or he's just burning the memories of them together because he does follow. Is it my turn to die? My heart's pounding as I say goodbye. So now I dance in the flames. Is he killing her or is he just killing the memories? Who knows? Let that up to your imagination. Uh, but either way, it's an intense song and I think most of us who have been done wrong can relate to the anger he's going through here. That's from their 2010 album, Fever. Song tracks in at four minutes and 51 seconds. It's not your normal bullet for my Valentine song. If you haven't heard Your Betrayal, you're a little pissed off. Go listen to it. All right. I like that one. So, speaking of intense, this song goes out to you know who. Number three. Number three. Ringworm, one of us is going to have to die. Off of their 2014 Hammer of the Witch. Lyrics that touched me, I suppose, were It was never true, done, and now it's through End of what you knew, end of me and you One of us is gonna have to die Just under four minutes of hateful thrash Yeah, that goes out to you, I hope you're listening Alright, moving on to number three I went with Nirvana, You Know You're Right Ah, hmm the final single released after Kurt Cobain's death. This one definitely feels like a goodbye note. And it really stung the first time I heard it. Unfortunately, at the time this single came out, I could really feel Kurt's pain. Uh, this is definitely a hate song. But the question is, is it dealing with hatred of his wife or is it dealing with his own self-hatred? I think that part is still left up for interpretation. But I think the two things go hand in hand. I do know what it's like to have someone make you feel worthless. And it really fucking hurts. The lyrics for the main part of the song are, No thought was put into this. I always knew it'd come to this. Things have never been so swell. I have never failed to fail. Those are the words of a man that really wasn't uh, feeling his own self-worth at all. 
And it sucks to think that those are probably some of the last words that he wrote. Mm. So that's my number three, Nirvana. You know you're right. Yeah, get some. All right, my number three. Uh, we'll go away from the from my hate songs a little bit here. Not going full on love, but we're going with All That Remains and going with Not Alone. It's got a cool opening riff before Phil screams no more into a double pace as the song kicks in. Song could be about a relationship and feeling whole when that person's around you, but also could be about anyone else uh, in your life that gives you solace in their presence. I uh, always love the balance between his screams and the clean lyrics. Uh, that also the band also matches in the way that they play. Uh, he has the the lyric, uh, "I'm not alone." With the touch of your hand, I am whole again, uh, and that's that solace. This is peak metalcore for me. It's off of their uh, 2006 album, The Fall of Ideals. The song goes three minutes and 30 seconds. It's always been one of my favorite All the Remain songs. It is Not Alone. Nice. Great pick. Great pick. Definitely one of my favorite songs by that band and almost made it onto my list. And Justin probably remembers it was played at my first wedding and we had a mosh pit. Nice. It was great. Yes, we did. All right. I wasn't going to bring that up, but it's okay. <laughs> it's a fun memory. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, We had a fucking mosh pit at a wedding. Good times. <laughs> All right. My number three is dedicated to society in general. This is Cavalera Conspiracy with I Speak Hate off of 2011's Blunt Force Trauma. Now, this song is about a uh, boxer that goes to prison. It's kind of fucked over by the system and society. And uh, I really relate to the lyrics, but at the end of the song, just over and over again, it says, I speak the language of hate. You won't misunderstand me. And that's what I'm trying to project also. Three minutes, 10 seconds of Brazilian hate metal going out to you, society. Get some. So getting into number two. My number two comes to you from Wage War. It is the song Johnny Cash from their 2017 album Dead Weights. Uh, if you're not familiar with Wage War, they're a metalcore band from Ocala, Florida. And this is a song about unrequited love. The song speaks to me because I've been through situations like this. And the chorus specifically really resonates with me. They use a topic that we're all familiar with. The love of Johnny Cash and June Carter. And that really grabs your attention. Uh, it's safe to say Johnny Cash was wildly in love with June. He wrote a ton of songs about her. And when she died in June of 2003, he died only three months later. So this ties into this specific song because the chorus says, I want to feel the love you can't live without. The one that Johnny Cash wrote all his songs about. But I gave it all away for no return. I guess it's just another lesson that I'll never learn. Uh, the way the band performed this song really strikes a nerve. You can hear the emotion and clean vocal is Cody Quistad's voice as if he's recounting an actual heartbreak that he's been through and maybe not fully recovered from. And you couple that with the raw aggression in the, the harsh vocalist, Britton Bond, it makes for a really intense and emotional song. The original version of this song is super heavy, despite the fact that it is a love song. However, in 2018, the band recorded a stripped version of the song, which I actually prefer. Uh, and I've been fortunate enough to see them perform the song both ways. Definitely hasn't lost his impact at all. 
These guys really know how to tug on the old heartstrings. So my number two pick is Wage War, their song Johnny Cash. Nice. All right, so my number two comes from Kill Switch Engage. Right. We are talking about the end of heartache. This is the other side of breakup where there isn't just anger, but intense heartache as Howard seeks another chance. With the lyrics for comfort, call me for solace. I'll be waiting for the end of my broken heart. Anybody who's been through a bad breakup that they did not want to be involved in the breakup knows how this feels, and it sucks. This is one of Killswitch's staples, one of the biggest sing-along songs I've ever seen live. Uh, this one always gets the crowd going, a lot of crowd participation. It's one of those perfect metalcore songs that is heavy, but mixes those clean lyrics in perfectly to convey the range of his emotion. Off of their 2004 album of the same name, The End of Heartache, the song goes four minutes and 58 seconds. I'm sure most of you have heard it, but if you haven't, go ahead and check that one out. Get some. Probably if you're in Justin and I's age group, you've heard this song plenty of times. Chances are you probably cried to it at least one time. Yep. Don't fucking lie. Don't lie. It's okay. We're not too hard to have feelings, right, Bobby? That's <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. I baited you on that one. I mean, I didn't cry to the album, but you can have feelings. That's okay. Feelings are okay. If you got them. <laughs> I don't. So, uh, dedicated this uh, last song to society in general. This one goes out to my personal village. Not that I hate you, but maybe if you listen to this song, you ain't get a little in-depth fucking uh, view into where I'm going with things. This is Sepultura, Straight Hate, off a 1996 Roots album. Lyrics start off with, I ask myself, why am I so hateful? Maybe it's a part of my nature. People say I'm fucked in my mind. Feels like there's nothing left inside. Straight fucking hate. Just under five and a half minutes of Brazilian hate metal. Go check that shit out, motherfuckers. It's a new genre for you guys. Brazilian hate metal. I don't think it's new, man. <laughs> it's been out for 1996, buddy. It's a classic. All right, moving on to number one. My number one is from Amigo the Devil. With the song Hell and You mm. from the album Everything is Fine. For those unfamiliar with Amigo the Devil, his music is commonly referred to as murder folk. <laughs> and yes, okay. I know this is a metal show. Nah, fuck it. But murder but folk, that sounds yeah. funny. The dark themes of his music definitely count as metal in my book. So. Oh, yeah. Also, I had to discuss this song because the lyrics hit me hard enough that I have them tattooed on my arm. Fucking get some. So the song, the song starts out with this haunting strumming of the banjo before we get into the dark lyrics. At its core, this song is essentially about loving someone exactly as they are. The chorus is what really gets me. The chorus is, I'd rot in hell with you if you just asked me to. I love the shitty things we do together. Live with me in this sin forever. Hell and you. I know you want it to. I say you take the shot. See this chance. Feel the fire. And let me have this dance with you. <laughs> so you look a little deeper. Uh, how powerful must this love be that you're willing to burn in hell with someone so that you can live the life that you want to live together? As dark as the overall message is, it's really the ultimate love song. And it's become one of my favorite songs of all time. 
And if you haven't checked out Amigo the Devil, this is a good song to start with. And another one that you may want to check out while you're at it is I Hope Your Husband Dies. It's a song about a guy that blows it in his relationship and wants a second chance, but he knows it'll never happen unless the husband dies. It's dark as hell, but kind of relatable. So that's my number one pick, Amigo the Devil with Hell and You. Nice. You tried for years to get me to like Amigo. That was the song that finally clicked with me. My number one is from Linkin Park. I'm actually kind of surprised they have that many fucking songs that you can bring them up every goddamn episode. Hey, man, I try. <laughs> Unapologetic. I love this band. Get some. Uh, the song I'm going to talk about right now is A Place for My Head. I've mentioned this song a few times, and uh, truthfully, there's probably dozens of Linkin Park songs that could make this cut for me. Uh, but I'll stick with this one because it's uh, more unknown, and it's my personal favorite from Hybrid Theory, as I've mentioned before. Uh, it's another song about someone manipulating and taking advantage, just taking and taking and taking, but not wanting to give back. Uh, and Chester just wants to get away from it all. Uh, think about this opening lyric. It's, I watch how the moon sits in the sky in the dark night, shining with the light from the sun. The sun doesn't give light to the moon, assuming the moon's going to owe it one. So one-sided relationships, friendships, physical partners, that's the worst uh, be there for each other. Don't fucking use people. That shit messes people up. Just fucking stop it. Mm. Lincoln Park's A Place for My Head is my number one love and hate song. Here you go. Get some of that shit. It's a good one. All right. Now, I feel like the common uh, view is that Bobby motherfucking McDermott is a, a cold-blooded, heartless bastard. Yep. That's mostly true. Absolutely. So we went five and one on this. Hate. Love songs. There is only one love song to me. This is the one. I'll give you a brief setup here. Now, when this album was being made, this is an important fucking album in fucking music history. Uh, the rest of the band, everybody in the band had at least written one fucking song. And they would said to the other guy, hey, you should write a song, get some royalties and whatnot. We're all a band. We're all, it's all love and stuff. And the guy was like, I don't know. He, he's not really the main songwriter of the band, but he fucking comes back with this shit, which is a goddamn incredible hit, but a fucking impactful album. I'm talking about Queen, You Are My Best Friend, 1975's A Night at the Opera, written by John Deacon for his fucking wife. Nothing about beauty or other superficial bullshit. This is a song of pure love. Whatever this world can give me, it's you. You're all I see. You're my sunshine. And I want you to know my feelings are true. I really love you. You make me live. You're my best friend. That's the purest, most romantic love song ever fucking written. Your person should be your best friend. Happy Valentine's, everybody. So this past Friday, February 10th, Jason and Bobby got the pleasure of going to see Soulfly at the oh, Old Film. I was pleasured. All right. Mm. <laughs> uh, the opening acts were Half Heard Voices there we go. and Body Box. So Half Heard Voices was fucking cool. Like they're, they sounded really fucking professional. Like, amazingly, so like, stand. I was like, wow, these guys are fucking, who the fuck are these guys? They sounded so good. I was like, who the fuck are these guys? 
And their lead guitarist was so happy. He was like Van Halen, just smiling the whole time, gunslinging it, doing a lot of cool fucking intricate shit on the fucking leads, man. So they sounded, sounded happy and they sounded professional. But what no, they didn't sound happy. They were fucking metal as fuck. I'm just cool. saying, if you looked at the guitar, he was just smiling. Like, I don't know. He might have been on some shrooms or something. He was having a good time. So the guitarist was happy mm-hmm. and they sounded professional. But what did they sound like? Uh, it wasn't death metal. It was metal Corey. Metal Corey. Because it definitely had like some mm-hmm. cleans in it and stuff. But I, I think Bobby's right. Like, honestly. They sound sound wise, they were the best of the night as mm-hmm. far as the way every all the levels mm-hmm. and everything being mixed properly. You said the Orpheum. They Orpheus, sounded fucking you great. Like. So um, the mothball Orpheum or the yeah. Orpheus, as Slaughter to Prevail keeps saying. Mm-hmm. But they, the uh, their singer is super talented, but the guitar yeah, the player singing and then the the growling. It was good, man. He's right though. That guitar player was standout. He was the highlight because he was just like in a state of bliss and he's just kind of laid back and he's, you know, half the time he's got his eyes closed Hmm. and he's just like shredding these riffs and making it look super easy. Just doing all this super techie stuff. So good. But he wasn't breaking a sweat, man. They were the opener. So they were pushed up front on the, the the stage. They didn't have a lot of room. Like they were shoulder to shoulder and still just like smiling, having a great time. Bass players into it, other other guitar, like everybody was just fucking feeling. Uh, drummer was cool, had a fucking ozone crash, which I ain't seen in a fucking while. Uh, fucking a lot of cool shit, man. Uh, they were cool. Uh, Body Box, I guess they're Florida Death Metal, is what they said. And they, I don't think they're 863 or 813. I wasn't a fan, but the front man was partying as shit. I would tell you to let him be in my band. That dude was partying as fuck. You gotta work the crowd. Fuck Florida! Metal! He gets it. But uh, the music was fucking crap. But what made it worse was them fucking stupid little kids in there with their spin kicks and their picking up change, dumb pit moves. They look terrified. And uh, that's, that's, not, that's not how you pit. Don't fucking fuck my beer up and think I'm not going to say some shit. The milk turns out to be sour. I ain't the pussy to drink it. Yeah, so we've been talking about this for a while behind the scenes. Concert mm-hmm. tips. Don't fucking do spin kicks. Nobody is down for that shit. They look scared in there. They like they look horrified at what they were doing. Like, oh my god, somebody's gonna get me. Ah, Like nobody wants to pit with fucking Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. Like, (laughs) we don't don't need Johnny Cage and Johnny Lawrence from Cobra Kai. Like cut that shit. And then when you fucking go confront them, they ain't got the heat to back it up. So just stay home, little boy. I was like when Goldberg comes into the pit and spears the motherfucker all the way to the side. What what really pissed me off aside from the fact that you know bobby got his entire beer spilt but he dealt with that that's mm-hmm. okay uh we both got beer spilled all over us multiple times i mean it's a fucking but show. that happens but where the line is is this guy one of the spin kicking mortal Kombat bitches come out of the pit and ran back in and basically clotheslined this guy that was just standing there watching the show and took him to the ground cool, like man. that pissed me off that guy wasn't close to the pit. He wasn't trying to be part of that action. And he pulled him to the ground like he deserved to have his ass kicked. Mm. Just a reminder to everybody, the pit is not a place to hurt anybody. It's a place to get out aggression and take care of each other. Mm-hmm. Don't fucking hurt each other. Don't do sick. spin kicks and clotheslines and this bullshit. It didn't ruin the show. I had a fucking wonderful time. Let's Absolutely. get to the, the, the main part. Let's talk about Soul So Fly. here we are. Soul Fly. You guys have all seen him before, right? No, I've never seen Soulfly before. I didn't know that. Bobby's first time with Soulfly. Tell us about it. (sighs) 
You want to go first, Jason? I mean, I mean, your, your your birthday episode was the Cavalier. Uh, yeah, let's Look, let him. All right, man. let's like, so, You are Mr. Cavalier. So first maybe time so maybe he should close it out then. So, I'm, I'm just so Jason, so far, how many times have you seen? I've seen them at least three times, maybe four. Um, when was the last time? Oh, it's been years. It's been at least ten years. Uh, okay. Soulfly always puts on a good show. That Orpheum environment is kind of really well suited to them because they put on a really just kind of old school punk rock show. Like it's, mm. you know, they're not trying to sound perfect. They're not super technical. Like they're just up there having a good fucking time. And the set list was killer. I mean, if you're like an old school Soulfly fan like me, they they played, I think, four or five songs off the self-titled album. They played a couple songs off of the second album. Uh, they played Prophecy. They played Downstroy. They played some stuff off Dark Ages. They played three of the songs from the newest album. It was a great mix of songs, and it worked. Like It, 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 was, it was the best set list that I've seen from Soulfly. If I had one complaint, it would be that they closed with Jump the Fuck Up, and I felt like it was a bad decision. Hmm. That seemed like more of a song they should have played towards the beginning. And then that song just doesn't work the way they did it because, hmm. you know, it, it's got Corey Taylor doing the, you know, the clean rappy stuff, and they just kind of ignored those parts of the songs like they didn't exist. And it was weird, and it sounded choppy, and it just it wasn't right, like, Right before that, they played Eye for an Eye, and it was fucking killer, and mm. it, it would have just been better to cut it right there. But the show was great, man. We had a great time. Um, that's really just... I mean, it's a little minor complaint. That's all mm -hmm. I got. So one of my questions I always ask is, did they close with the right song? Obviously, they did not. No. Nah, not in this case. To me, they did, but I'll get into that in a second. So what'd you think, Bobby? First first experience with Soulfly. Ah, man. Um... I really didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. I was thinking maybe uh, they're going to go with more of the newer shit. You know what I'm saying? Because he's changed up the band. Oh, speaking of that, uh, fucking uh, Mike DeLeon from Phil Anselmo and the... Illegals. Right? Yep. That dude's fucking cool. Like, he was, like, super stiff. Like, he looked like he was having more fun than anybody. What's he play? Playing the guitar. Like he's, and he's, like, he's doing the solo, but he's just, like, cheesing it the whole time. Like, just having a great time. Like, holy shit. I'm partying with Soulfly, and I thought it was cool. Also, he's talented, so he fucking gunslinged that shit. So that was neat to see. Uh, so, again, I thought they were going to play a lot of newer shit. They spread it out, man. They started out with the old stuff, and it just fucking went through the whole catalog. It was fucking super cool. And then out of fucking nowhere. This is a surprise song, right? I hear the fucking heartbeat. Here it is. Here it is. And I'm like, is what? And I turn around and look at my brothers. You know, they were there. It was just cool. And they're looking at me like, oh, shit. And it's fucking Refuse Resist by Sepultura. And I'm like, what the? Like, cool, man. And I had to, like, take a moment to myself. I was like, I'm kind of old now. I was like, I can go just hand grenade everybody in the pit and we can all die here. Or I can, like, experience it. And, like, so I chose to watch it. And that was cool. And then <laughs> these motherfuckers. Wasting away by fucking nail bomb starts. Nail bomb. And I was, I thought I was like spaced out and I was like in my own. I was like, am I just, is this just my fucking what? And then I had to look at my brothers and they're looking at me like, don't kill everybody, Bobby. <laughs> like, just have a good time. Oh man, fucking 
This is the closest I will ever get to experiencing fucking nail bomb. I don't even know what the rest of the show was. I'm done. Like, that was the closing to me. I'm done. I was ready to just, like, slit my wrist and, like, just fucking burn the whole place down. Let's all just die now. I saw nail bomb, and that's all I fucking give a shit about. Uh, they did close it wrong, but who cares? They fucking played nail bomb. I was fucking happy. It was fucking amazing. Uh, that being said, ran into Tom from Must Not Kill again. We would like to get him on the show. And uh, that brings up the thing. I la- uh, the week before, I went and saw Monstrosity. Saw Tom from Must Not Kill again. Again, want to get him on the show. Uh, Virulence opened up for Monstrosity. They were cool. Dude gave me the fucking album. Uh, it's technical death metal, I would say. But uh, Announce the Apocalypse was a band that I saw. Uh, I missed the first two songs. And when I, I went in there, their sound was also actually really good. I was like, who the fuck are these guys? They got amazing sound. These guys sound fucking pissed. And in a party with them, they actually were pissed. Uh, the first song, I guess they had like an intro thing that they fucked up. And so they were angry. And I was like, man, you guys are pissed as fuck. And it, uh, that was really just their whole uh, demeanor. But uh, those guys are very excited to be on the show. So hopefully we can work out the schedule, get them. Uh, yeah, just been lots of fucking cool death metal shows everywhere. I'm having the fucking time of my life. The show fucking rules. Soulfly. So those of you not following that, Bobby seen Soulfly with Jason yeah. and his brothers on February 10th. When did you see Must Not Kill? Uh, the week before. Uh, Must Not Kill. I saw them on the Goat Whore show, but that dude has been at every other fucking show I've went to, which means he's fucking legit. Local uh, here to Central Florida. Must yeah, not kill. One three is one of their songs. You should check it out. Must not kill. They're fucking metal as shit. But uh, yeah, the the week before was the Monstrosity show, which was was Monstrosity Virulence. Uh, three inches of blood is a band from Orlando. Uh, death metal. They're cool, but they had some uh, technical difficulties with the sounds, so and they sounded like shit. And then announce the apocalypse. Those guys are bad as fuck. Uh, originally out of Detroit. Uh, did some work with At The Gates. Now they're out here in fucking Tampa trying to make it happen. We're going to try to get those guys on the fucking show. So shout out to those guys. Cool. Sounds good. Must not kill. And the other guys, we will hopefully be talking to you soon. Uh, a little more Soulfly talk, though. Mm. We, we mentioned the Orpheum quite often here. Because we're, we're from Central terrible. Florida. But those that are not from Central Florida... Can you guys explain what's the capacity there? How many people can fit in there? What is the place actually like? That way, the listeners who might not be in Central Florida can kind of visualize what we're talking about. question that I can't answer because the two shows I've been to the New Orpheum have been on the inside. Apparently, have an outside stage show that I haven't been uh, able to witness yet. The inside is not the greatest of fucking sounds. I mean, the Brass Mug, which is another venue, sounds a little fucking better, and it's going to be a cheaper show. Uh, the old Orpheum, I felt, sounded better. Yeah, and you can comfortably fit about 13 people inside the Orpheum. Mm. 13? What's the real number? <laughs> if I it's had to pretty guess, low, I'd man. say it's, it's yeah, maybe 500. I mean, it's not... Yeah, it's a, it's a smaller venue. Yeah. It's fucking... It's tight in there. So we're talking about more intimate setting, which is pretty cool to see. You know, that cer- was cool. Like, definitely cool. Like, dude, fucking Max was right there. I could have come up and picked his nose. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was fucking cool to see that. I really thought it was going to be the outside show and it wasn't going to be as cool. I thought it was cooler that it was the more punk rock right in your face. It was pretty neat. A I was in the spotlight. He saw me. I saw him. A fucking shit, Bobby. Why are you picking my nose? Well, you can pick your friends. Do your Max impersonation. 
cheating fucking everybody's catholic already in the picking the friend's nose and uh you know just rock and roll and shit everybody have a good time so fly tribe so you're uh bobby your best songs of the night probably fucking nail bomb and sepultura jason what'd you think what, what, what were your surprise songs best songs you heard i know like you're not usually surprised at concerts we like to uh look up the set lists and stuff and be prepared but jason, what was uh best song or a song that surprised you or you know. I, I don't well as you said there weren't really surprises because i totally looked at the set list ahead of time and made a playlist of it learned that trick from justin but uh my favorite part of the night was when they played eye for an eye mm, uh, nice. i believe that's when i got in the pit i might have gotten the pit for tribe i can't remember i've been using your I, I know i did some involuntary or unplanned uh dancing when they did the little intro part to tribe that was fun it just caught nice. me off guard and i think i, I like, might have been cutting the rug up a little bit yeah, too in the yeah. spotlight yeah, that, that was fun man some that was a fun little intro and then you know <laughs> the drums kick in and next thing you know it's heavy hey you was feeling uh, it for me i just i really loved that they played so much of the old stuff especially from the self-titled album i've been to other soul flash shows where they played a lot of the newer stuff, and I, it's hit or miss for me. But the albums I like, I really like, and I, I love every damn song on the on the self-titled album. They played No, and it was really cool totally. to hear everybody screaming, No motherfucking Hootie and the Blowfish. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, that was yeah, fun, man. That was cool. It <laughs> yeah, was, they just, did a good mix, man. It they was, spread it out over the It catalog. was a real good mix. Yeah, I agree. Didn't end it right. But as, uh, I, I brought this up. We talked about it last on the way home. Uh, this is the beginning of their tour, and you're still kind of working out which ones mm-hmm. you. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure the next three or four uh, shows, they're probably not going to end it the same. Keeping those fucking nail bomb and sell the uh, sepulturas, uh, that, that'd be dumb. To but Max that. did the thing, like when they got ready to play, jump the fuck up. Oh, uh, he had everybody get down, mm-hmm. like, like all the way that. down. Is yeah. something that does that on what? Spit it out? I think spit yeah, it out, they always do it on. It's become a little bit of a thing. Like, Beartooth usually does it yeah. at their shows. You're right. I've seen Beartooth um, do it, too. But it was funny because, like, you got almost the entire crowd almost. down. Mm-hmm. And then you got three McDermott's just standing there, like, looking around, <laughs> like, nobody tells me to get on the ground. Like, no what? shit. And finally... Max is like, free beer for everybody that gets down. And then all of a sudden, I look and they're... they're oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually seen from Ashes do that. And I was yeah. the guy standing recording it all. <laughs> fucking McDermott, hey, man. Somebody's we don't kneel for nobody. Somebody's got to fucking record it. It was funny because I looked over and we were just looking at each other like, Look at these guys kneeling down. What the fuck Get is this low. shit? Hey, that shit's cool. Free beer. Yeah. Oh! I love crowd interaction, man. That's one of the coolest things about uh concerts, I feel like that you know? might have been cooler at the beginning because it was at the end where everybody's like tired and old. Yeah, you, you know gotta I mean? throw that early yeah. in the set, maybe the middle of the set. Yeah, it, it's a little tough. It so. was the encore, which I, I did. I did appreciate that they didn't do like a full on encore. They didn't. They never really completely left the stage. But Max is like, if you want some more metal, you gotta fucking scream. Right, and I then screamed. he got the chance started himself and got everybody chanting. <laughs> I was fly. screaming, and then, nice. and then and then they came back out. So it's like, pretty shit cool. The fuck, uh, she wrote his song. I got to go watch that. <laughs> Check you guys later. <laughs> so this was the Totem Tour. You guys have talked about a lot of old songs. How many songs did they actually play off a of Totem? I think it was just two. Two, maybe three. I don't know. I remember Filth Upon Filth. Totally. And I remember there was did, another one close to the end. Did they do Totem? Uh, the it might have been track. Totem. Yeah, it might have been I Totem. I was hoping it was going to be Spirit World because they did uh, one part where they had like some weird uh, like intro effect. I was like, oh, they're going to do the one? That song's cool, though. 
Yeah. Fucking Soulfly was awesome. Soulfly. I don't know. Like, like I said, they played Nail Bomb and then I was just in the fucking bliss walking yeah, on the Soul, Soulfly, Nail Bomb, and Sepultura. All in one show. I can yeah. fucking. I, I, mean, I slept like a fucking angel. You would have got some Cavalier conspiracy in there. It'd have been ah, perfect. Fucking right? A, dude. Yeah, man. Like, it was fucking good time had by me. Any other closing uh, thoughts on the Soulfly concert, guys? Uh, it was my favorite Soulfly show that I've ever seen mm. because they just did such a good fucking job with the set list. The set list looked really they good. They gave you up. all mm-hmm. the stuff you wanted to hear. The energy was there. Like I said, Matt DeLeon was fucking partying the whole... Like He looked happier than anybody to be... More happier than me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it was fucking cool. Shout out to the McDermott brothers. It yeah, was cool right. to meet you guys and hang out with you and mm-hmm. hopefully we'll do it again. Mm-hmm. Good times. Fucking A. Those of you local to Central Florida, Jason and I will be at Heart Support Fest on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Parkway Drive headlines. You can find me in the pit. Uh, I don't know if Jason will join me, but he might. I'll be out but, there at some point. Hey, if you're having to be at Heart Support Fest in uh, was it Central Florida Fairgrounds, Orlando, right? Yeah. Uh, come say hi. Fucking name. Get him a beer. We'll, we'll be in the pit for Bottom Feeder. Come find us. Guaranteed. I will be in the pit for Bottom Feeder, and I will break my fucking neck. Yeah, get some. Hopefully not literally. All right, everyone. That is our episode for this week. Hopefully you enjoyed our top six love hate songs. I enjoyed it. We enjoyed getting it out. Mm. Most therapeutic. Mostly hateful. Mm. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to give us a like and a follow on Instagram and Facebook at two metal for this. Mm hmm. And drop your own six list in the comments section. And we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. We will. Make sure you tune in for the next episode. We'll be talking about the top six sophomore albums Mm. of all time. We'll also be talking about our Spotlight album coming to you from Avatar. That's it for this week. Until next week, keep it metal and rage with respect.